Welcome to It Pays to Fear God. My name is Ewerwan Nomarin, and in this channel, we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose, which are the three most important subjects we need to understand in order to obtain salvation, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subjects that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned, Pray for Your Enemies. The title of this subject is drawn from Matthew chapter 5, in verses 43 and 44, where Jesus Christ said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love thine enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So, today we're going to be learning about why exactly should we pray for our enemies? Why do our enemies deserve our prayers? But before I get into that, I just want to ask you a question that you can answer in the comments section below. And as I always say, the reason why I ask these questions is so that we can engage spiritual discussion in the comment section below on topics that are not usually explained in the world of Christianity. And the question for today is, who exactly is the thief that Jesus Christ was talking about in John chapter 10? And how is he a thief? What does he steal? So just describe that in the comment section below. And of course, subscribe right now and hit the notification bell so that you don't miss out on any future videos that we make in the future. So let's get back to that subject. Pray for your enemies. An enemy is someone who is hostile to another person or thing, someone who opposes another entity. Now, in my in one of my previous videos, Who Are Our Enemies, I described an enemy as someone within. I began with the heart. That was like the major part of the discussion before I began to go out towards our family members and so on. You can call that the enemy within. But today we're going to be looking at the enemy without, as in people who influence us in a different way, the way of persecution, the way of people who don't really belong to the faith now coming to try to make our spirituality not work the way it's supposed to. That's going to be the discussion of this video. But if you want to understand the enemy within, check out my video, Who Are Our Enemies? The link is in the description below. So, Jesus Christ made us to know that we would have enemies so long as we remain in the faith, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, St. Paul also said the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, and also Acts chapter 14, verse 22. So, the question we're going to be answering today is, why exactly should we pray for such ones? We first of all need to understand that not everybody who persecutes us and wants to make our lives more difficult spiritually is doing it out of deliberate wants to offend God. Many people are just raised in a way that isn't very righteous, so they think that by doing so, they are actually doing God's will. Jesus Christ told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 2, that many people would persecute you because they think that they're doing God a favor, they're doing God's service, 
Whereas in reality, they're actually going against God's will. So we should understand that many people are just ignorant. They don't exactly know what they're doing. And Jesus Christ knew that many of those who were taking part in making Jesus Christ die were in that condition. They didn't really understand that this was the Son of God Almighty, the person who created the heavens and the earth, according to Isaiah chapter 45 and verses 12 and 18, that they were actually killing. That was why he said in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was saying that they don't understand what exactly they're getting into, so he should not lay it to their charge. He shouldn't go after them and punish them. So he interceded on their behalf. And St. Peter reminded the people who were listening to him about this in Acts chapter 3, verse 17, where he said that many of you guys are persecuting the righteous out of ignorance. You don't really know what exactly you're doing. Then, if we also look at Stephen in Acts chapter 7 from verses 54 to 60, we see the same thing. People were stoning him because the truth that he was preaching was not exactly in their favor. And in verse 60, he prayed to God to not lay the fact that they were stoning him to their charge. He didn't want God to punish them because he knew that they were simply doing it out of ignorance. So he prayed for his enemies. We can also use the story of St. Paul to understand how many people persecute out of ignorance and once they become aware, they completely change their lives. If you read Acts chapter 9 from verses 10 to 18, we see the famous story of same of Saul wanting to go to Damascus and then Jesus Christ stopped him and all of that and made him aware that you are persecuting me and now you are going to become my minister and you are going to teach everybody about me. And then Ananias laid his hands on him and he got the Holy Spirit from then on and you could see how he completely changed. And he, like this St. Paul, analyzed himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1 from verses 11 to 17 and Galatians chapter 1 from verses 11 to 16 by saying that I was the chief of all sinners. I chaired iniquity, but once I was called to be an apostle, I completely changed and I did more abundantly than most others, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. And finally, we can look at the people of Nineveh because they were also doing iniquity out of ignorance. And God told Jonah the prophet this in Jonah chapter 4 verse 11 because he was angry that God decided to sow mercy according to Jonah chapter 4 verse 2 instead of taking revenge and getting rid of them as Jonah's gospel described. But God told him in Jonah chapter 4 verse 11, should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their left hand and their right hand, and also much cattle? So we should pray for our enemies, because many of them don't really know the fact that they are offending God, and if they don't come around and stop what they're doing, God will indeed judge them. Then, we should also understand that Sometimes our enemies just don't have access to the grace that we may have access to. Jesus Christ put this in a parable for us, the parable of the sower, in Matthew chapter 13, from verses 1 to 9. The sower was sowing seeds, and they fell on many different places. Many people get the grace of God to a little level. They don't really get affected by it. But some people, they get the grace of God to a very high level. People like St. Paul or the other apostles. They have a grace that many people can't access, according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. And 
as a result, any time we see people persecuting us because God hasn't touched their hearts, we should intercede on their behalf so that God may take them away from their captivity, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. You saw how God opened the hearts of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, and verses 14 and 15. God can do that to many of our enemies who are persecuting us out of ignorance, so long as his grace now goes to them. And by praying... That may, of course, occur, and the persecution may end. Then, finally, we should understand that they're still children of God. After Jesus Christ's sacrificial death, according to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, everybody was kind of roped in that family of God. That includes everybody as a result of the fact that the gospel was now preached to all the nations, according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. So we shouldn't be seeing our enemies the way the Jews saw the Gentiles. Rather, we should see them as a part of God's family. It's just that they haven't yet come to understand their Heavenly Father and serve Him properly. So we should take that step forward and pray to God so that they may be recovered. Because ultimately, God shows that same kind of benevolence. If we read Psalms chapter 145 verse 9, we understand this. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. We can understand this with what he did in Deuteronomy chapter 2 from verses 1 to 6. You see, God chose the Israelites according to Exodus chapter 19 from verses 4 to 6. And as a result, they were kind of above all the other nations. Everybody around them. God valued the children of Israel more than them all. But... As they were passing the children of Esau, the people of Mount Seir, who were kind of like Esau and Jacob, just in a nation form now, God told them that do not kill them or not respect their rights by taking their resources for free. No, pay for what you use and respect them as fellow human beings. Why did he do this? Because he was benevolent. He respected that kind of right for life that many people have. He gave people life, according to Isaiah chapter 45 and verses 12 and 18. And he respects that. It's almost like a right to him. So we told the children of Israel, don't feel like you're on top of them and begin to misuse their property and so on. And Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45 that God Almighty shows some kind of respect to both the evil and the good. He said that he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. See also Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Therefore, we should pray for our enemies because God respects them as human beings, and we should also see them as our fellow creatures. Now, let's say we decide to pray for our enemies. What will our prayers actually do? What power do prayers have? Well, James said in James chapter 5 or 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He meant that righteous people, that is those who are right with God, who then pray to him and believe in what they're praying, their prayers can do many wonderful things. Just look at the prayer Moses prayed in Exodus chapter 32. Remember, after the Israelites offended God, God wanted to completely cut them off and even start a whole new nation with Moses. And God wouldn't feel very sorry in doing so. It's just like, okay, well, they failed. They've disrespected me. I can always just start again because 
God Almighty lives from everlasting to everlasting, according to Psalms chapter 90 verse 2 and chapter 93 verse 2. So it wasn't incredibly hard for him to just say, I'll just start a new nation with you and you'll be even mightier than them. But Moses prayed to God on the Israelites' behalf. He told, he interceded on their behalf by saying, why would you decide to do that? What would happen to the fact that you rescued them. The Egyptians and the other nations would hear about this and they'd be like, oh, God is just some mischievous little fellow. He just wanted to cause mischief among them. And because Moses prayed that prayer, God decided to forget about what he wanted to do and just continue on the mission. You can see that Moses' prayer, just one man's prayer, saved the entire nation because he interceded on their behalf. Now, it's becoming increasingly common in new generation churches. There's something called Holy Ghost fire. And many pastors are beginning to tell their flocks that when you have enemies and you don't exactly like what they're doing, you can call Holy Ghost fire on them. And once you do so, God will judge them. They say, to all our enemies who make my life difficult, may Holy Ghost fire come upon them. But... The slight problem with this is that this doesn't exactly represent what God wants. God doesn't really want to be judging random people based on your own, maybe, thing that they offended you with. Rather, he would prefer that we pray for them. Don't curse them. St. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Christians shouldn't make a habit of cursing others because God doesn't enjoy cursing. He doesn't enjoy the death of the wicked, which when we want to call Holy Ghost fire on people, it's kind of what we're doing. If we read Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, God said, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, said the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? See also Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. It is God's will that people come back to him and be saved. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That is St. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. And St. Peter also described in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 that God's promises are not slow. They're not slack. But he wants people to repent. He wants people to come to him. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See also Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. For such reasons, we should pray for our enemies. I'm just going to conclude with what St. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9. Because it kind of summarizes everything that I have said in this video. He said, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And that is where I'm going to stop on discussing that subject, pray for your enemies. I hope that you have enjoyed this video and have come to understand why exactly we should pray for our enemies. We should understand that there is much joy in heaven when our enemies come to the faith to be saved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 15 verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Have a great day and God bless you. Oh, one more thing. 
If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.